Tonight, passing with inches to spare, the shocking close call on Highway 5, and the trucker who says it's hardly the first time. Plus, why are we rewarding bad drivers? Outrage grows over towing discounts for alleged drunk and dangerous drivers, and... Honestly, it's one of the most horrible things I've ever witnessed. Why environmentalists say a deadly algae bloom at BC Fish Farms was man-made. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with some heart-stopping video that shows just how much speeders can disregard their own safety and everyone else's. An incident made all the worse because it's a big rig semi. Jordan Armstrong joins us live with the details. And Jordan, this is pretty scary stuff. It certainly is, Colleen. And frequent highway drivers will tell you this sort of thing happens far too often, but rarely is it caught on camera. We got the video from a truck driver who regularly travels between Edmonton and Kelowna. Have a look. It happened early Thursday morning on Highway 5, just south of Avola. The driver says he didn't notice the passing truck until it was beside him. Look ahead, you can see the lights of an oncoming vehicle. Moments later, the truck swerves back into the southbound lane, barely missing another truck coming towards it. Jamin Garner, who captured the footage, has a warning for other drivers in his industry. From a career standpoint, I, I don't think it's a you know, a very smart choice for these people to make. Um, no load is really worth your life. I called the company and complained about it and their dispatch. I, you know what? I don't, I don't, I never heard back from them. So I, uh, uh, I put it on Facebook and I, I tagged their company in it and they were quick to reply. Um, but I guess a couple nights later, the same driver was witnessed driving at high rates of speed down the highway again. Eight years on the road, Garner says he's actually witnessed closer calls in the past. He says his video has been shared with the Ministry of Transportation. No word tonight if RCMP are investigating. Colleen. Thanks for that, Jordan. A 44-year-old man has been killed on a motorcycle crash in downtown Vancouver. Just after noon, the victim lost control of his motorbike on Nelson near Granville and struck a tree. He was pronounced dead in hospital. Police say speed was likely a factor in the crash. Nelson was closed for several hours but has since reopened. More reaction tonight to news that dangerous drivers whose vehicles are impounded have been getting big breaks on towing and storage fees. Tens of thousands of dollars in discounts handed to excessive speeders and impaired drivers since 2012. As Kristen Robinson reports, one B.C. family living with the impact of a drunk driver's deadly decision says that money needs to be repaid. We are subsidizing their bad behavior. Marquita Collius appalled to learn of a loophole that allows people whose vehicles are impounded for excessive speeding and even impaired driving to get perks and discounts. Every single day we live with the loss of our daughter. Every day with the aftermath of someone's decision to drink and drive and put others at risk. Collius's 22-year-old daughter, Cassandra, driving home from a softball game in 2011 when she was T-boned and killed by a drunk driver. There's no deterrent to drive impaired or dangerously. Dangerous drivers get free towing for up to six kilometers and ICBC storage rates, which are almost 50% lower. BC's public safety minister now looking into the brakes which have been in place since 2012 
an apparent unintended consequence of bulk discounts negotiated by ICBC and then passed on to Road Safety BC, the government agency that works with police. We're dealing with tens of thousands of dollars in discounts that have been passed on. The association, which represents towing companies, says its members frustrated by the bargains for bad drivers. They see the ruined vehicles and the ruined lives, and these are people that have got children themselves, so they really don't appreciate it. I think the government should go after these people and charge them the additional rates that, that most people have to pay. Adrian Scoville says tow companies are willing to go back and provide data if the province chooses to try and collect arrears. We are rewarding the bad drivers who are putting people at risk on the roads, and that needs to stop. Kristen Robinson, Global News. With the clock ticking down to a complete shutdown of all bus and sea bus service this week, many transit users are making alternative arrangements to get around. As Grace Key reports, that means some are swapping six wheels for vehicles with four and two. At Reckless Bike Store in Yaletown, it's been unusually busy for November. Since the threat of a looming bus strike, more people have been popping into the store, many getting their bikes tuned up and others looking to buy or get something more temporary. So every day the strike draws on, people are a little more anxious. I've had phone calls, people uh, are very interested in our electric bikes and could I, could I rent one for the week or could I lease one until the strike is over? And that's something new for us. People aren't just turning to cycling to get to work. More families are also looking at alternate ways to get the kids to school. Well, we're just trying to be ready for anything. So, for example, I took my daughter's bike in to get tuned up, which I wasn't going to do until the spring, but, you know, she might need it this week. Even on Craigslist, sellers are taking advantage with listings for transit strike bike sales. There's also car sharing. Evo has seen a 30% increase in signups for in the last four days. And during the strike, teams will be parking as many vehicles as possible near SkyTrain stations and along busy transit corridors. Just days away from the system-wide shutdown, both sides saying it's not too late to end the job action. It is not too late to accept Coast Mountain's offer of mediation and end this job action. If they continue to put their fingers in their ears and deny there's a problem, then there will be a work stoppage. So the ball is in their court. The transit strike on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday will mean sea buses and most buses will not be running in Metro Vancouver. TransLink will be assessing its options in the coming days. Grace Key, Global News. Okay, with more on the strike, Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria. Keith, John Horgan says he is not ready to intervene, mm -hmm. but if the government does step in, what could that look like? It'd take uh, various forms, Colleen. I had a good chat with Labour Minister Harry Baines at the recently concluded NDP convention on the weekend. He says he's fully mindful of the tools he has at his disposal, but he doesn't want to signal yet what, if anything, he's going to do. He wants these parties to hammer it out at the table. So here's a list of things that he can use under B.C. Labour Relations Code. First of all, he can appoint a mediator, whether Unifor likes it or not, or a special mediator, which has extra power to compel uh, people to give testimony under oath. Uh, Harry Baines can also ask the Labour Board to set essential service designations if he feels the health, safety and welfare of British Columbians are at risk with such a work stoppage. He can also order what's called an, an industrial inquiry commission to take a deep dive into the dispute uh, in, in the transit area. He can also ask the Labour Board to send in what's called a fact finder, an independent person who can try to get uh, a sort of a neutral position of exactly what's going on in there, is there a solution. And he can also, and this is rarely done, uh, he can direct a vote be taken of the employer's last offer to be voted on by the 
employees. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But there's, here's the big one. It's not in the Labor Code, but he could bring in legislation that would impose a cooling off period. Traditionally, a form of 90 days is the usual way to go. Uh, nobody knows which or whichever of these options Mr. Baines is going to use. He may not use any of them. As the clock ticks down, as you mentioned, to Wednesday, I have a feeling we're going to see a mediator appointed, but who knows? I mean, we're in uncharted territory here. No kidding. All right, Keith, thanks for that. Protesters rallied in Vancouver today in solidarity with the people of Iran. Several hundred gathered to support protesters in Iran where demonstrations over a spike in fuel prices have been followed by a crackdown by revolutionary guards. This just one of many rallies held around the world today. Authorities in the country have yet to confirm how many people have been killed, injured or arrested during the several days of protests that have swept across nearly 100 Iranian cities and towns. But according to Amnesty International, at least 106 people are dead. We are expecting a decision this week from the federal court on a human rights tribunal decision ordering Ottawa to pay compensation to the indigenous victims of the on-reserve on child welfare system. The first thing I learned in care was that I was disposable. I lived in over 10 homes in the years I spent there, moving every few months from group home to independent living to group home, never having a place I could see myself reflected in. Today, Indigenous survivors of the system shared their stories ahead of the ruling. They came together for a news conference and rally in Crab Park to demand the federal court uphold the Human Rights Tribunal's decision. The city of Vancouver wants to double the fines for fighting in the Granville Entertainment District. After consulting with police about maintaining order on the Granville Strip, staff have recommended increasing street fighting tickets from $500 to $1,000. If council approves the hike, staff also suggest reducing the fine by 50% if it's paid within 30 days. Unpaid fines would be sent to a collection agency and any outstanding debt reported to the credit rating bureau. The city is considering asking the province to allow ICBC to collect unpaid fighting fines when insurance is renewed, but similar requests from other municipalities have been denied in the past. Changes to B.C.'s building code are opening the door to secondary suites. Housing Minister Selena Robinson says the changes will help create more affordable housing by allowing homeowners to build secondary suites in multifamily buildings such as duplexes, townhouses and row houses. It will be up to the municipalities to decide whether to embrace the changes and amend zoning and development bylaws. The province also removed restrictions for secondary suites from the building code, which applies throughout B.C., except for some federal lands and the city of Vancouver. There has been a mass die-off of fish at fish farms in Clackwatt Sound on the west coast of Vancouver Island. The company that owns them blames it on a toxic algae bloom. But as Paul Johnson reports, environmentalists say it's the farm's operations that are at the root of the problem. This is video produced by the group Clackwatt Action that they say shows a plume of effluent flowing off of an open-net fish farm owned by the international aquaculture company Cermak. They say they produced these videos after they were alerted to what they're calling a mass die-off of farmed salmon at a number of Cermak sites in the Sound. I think the number of fish that have died... Um Right now is probably upwards of um, 200,000. Statements put up on Cermak's website confirm they've been dealing with a fish die-off triggered by a toxic algae bloom. 
The latest says they're returning to normal operations and our fish are recovering and we've resumed feeding at the majority of our farms in the area. But CERMAC hasn't responded to requests from Global News to confirm the scope of the die-off and what the cause is of the apparent discolored water at their farms, which Clackwatt Action says is a result of the die-off. Because they can't keep up with the amount of dead fish in the pens, the fish are rotting and the fat is uh, and flesh is starting to float out of the open net pens and into the inlet. And so we have observed large slicks of oil and fat coming off the farm. Other shots appear to show workers tossing dead salmon into containers on the farms and then trucks leaving their Tofino facility, which Clackwatt Action believes were hauling the carcasses away for disposal. Clackwatt Action is opposed to open net fish farming in the Sound, which is a UNESCO biosphere preserve. And they're critical of the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, who they say haven't yet been on scene to assess the impact. DFO did not respond to our request for comment. This is where DFO needs to be on the ground and observing and taking samples and uh, getting to the bottom of what's happening. I, I think it's just outrageous that they are not going to come on to site until three weeks after the incident has started. Paul Johnson, Global News. A Vancouver councillor wants to see the city offer free year-round parking for veterans. For many years, veterans have enjoyed free parking at Vancouver City meters and lots on Remembrance Day. Since 2008, the city of Surrey has offered free year-round parking for veterans. NPA councillor Manalisa DiGenova is pushing for Vancouver to do the same by making parking free all year for those with BC veterans license plates and those currently serving in the Canadian Forces. Her motion will be heard by council on Tuesday. I think it's very important that we do what we can to honour and respect our veterans. And in the city of Vancouver, um, as a courtesy, offering free parking, you know, for time limits. Right now we see it posted on the meter, two hours, three hours. I think that that's the least we can do to say thank you uh, to the men and women who put their lives on the line. I want to appreciate the presence of all Migrant workers who are coming today, uh, thanks because of you, we have food on the table. An East Vancouver boxing gym held a special free health fair today for migrant workers, many of them working in the B.C. agriculture industry. Quinnett Boxing teamed up with Watari Counseling and Support Services Society to put on the event, their second this year. The one-stop shop connecting workers, many of whom lack access to health, crucial health resources, with a range of experts from physicians to mental health practitioners and massage therapists. It seems like the response has been pretty good. They start having ailments that they have never been treated before. They start having neck pain and they're just grateful to get a couple exercises or even getting a couple treatments that might hopefully alleviate a little bit of that. The sport of boxing uh, kind of attracts, it's a part of the Latin American kind of culture and I do have a lot of Latin American uh, members at the gym and they're all here kind of helping me out as well, translating for this, this event. 
Early results in Hong Kong show pro-democracy parties have made major gains following a record turnout in what is ostensibly a referendum on pro-democracy protests. Reports indicate 2.9 million people participated. That's a turnout rate of about 70 percent. People are voting for district council members who have little power, but a strong showing by the opposition would demonstrate the public still supports the so-called pro-democracy movement that's been underway for six months. As Abigail Beeman reports, the world is watching what happens next. Packed ballot boxes and long lines, an engaged electorate in Hong Kong after six months of pro-democracy protests. The most important thing the government has to do is to address the concerns. This is our duty to vote. In the last district council election, about one and a half million Hong Kongers cast a vote. In the morning, we have almost three times the turnout as compared to 15. By the time the polls closed, nearly three million people voted. There was concern over possible violence with a number of brutal attacks on Democratic politicians and violence during demonstrations since June, but Sunday stayed peaceful. Hong Kong's chief executive said 30,000 civil servants helped pull off what she called a challenge and she promised to listen more. I hereby pledge that the Hong Kong SAR government will continue to fully support the work of the district councils, provide more resources and listen more attentively. But there are still some protesters under siege at a local university. I feel very angry and upset about the fact that my, my personal uh, liberty to, 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 to go vote has been violated pro-democracy activist Joshua Wong says he was banned from running. Which proved election in Hong Kong is being manipulated by the communist authorities. He acknowledges the election is too local to make a difference on the larger political scale. I still urge people vote in the election to show our discontent to Beijing. It's viewed as a barometer of support for the democracy movement. And as one prominent activist put it, many worldwide see the whole situation as a marker of something else. They regard Hong Kong as a barometer of how China would behave because they see the rising China more and more arrogant and, uh, you know, dismissive of universal values. Local elections in Hong Kong wouldn't usually draw this much international attention. Emily Lau says support across borders is critical for the movement, as China does, in fact, care about its reputation. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. It was one of the worst days in Iraq's nearly eight-week-long anti-government uprising. Seven protesters were killed, dozens of others hurt, as security forces fired live rounds trying to break up a blockade at a key port. Across the country, six others were killed, bringing the death toll to more than 340 people. The protesters, outraged by rampant corruption and a lack of services, are seeking to overthrow the political establishment. This is the largest wave of protests in the country since the fall of Saddam Hussein 16 years ago. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg officially launched his bid for president. Bloomberg filed paperwork for the Arkansas Democratic primary earlier this week, but it wasn't until today that he made his campaign official. In a statement, Bloomberg said he is running for president to defeat Donald Trump and rebuild America. 
Bloomberg is reportedly spending $31 million this coming week on a massive TV ad buy. The campaign will be self-funded and Bloomberg will not accept donations. Now that could mean that he will not meet the requirements to take part in a Democratic debate as the debates so far have had to meet a donor threshold. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is back at home and said to be doing well after spending part of the weekend in hospital. The 86-year-old was admitted on Friday evening with a fever and chills after taking part in a day of meetings with her fellow justices. Her hospital stay comes just days after she returned to the bench after missing work because of a stomach bug. Ginsburg, a four-time cancer survivor, has suffered a string of recent medical issues. She is considered a liberal voice on a conservative-dominated Supreme Court. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, 26 people have died after a plane crashed into a home. The plane went down in a densely populated area after taking off from Goma in the eastern part of the country. The twin propeller plane was carrying 19 passengers and crew. Two of them survived. The family of nine people was reported to have been killed when the plane hit their home. Heavy rains unleashed floods in Kenya, killing at least 60 people when their homes were swept away in landslides. Villages have been cut off by flooded roads. At least one bridge was wiped out. Rain is expected throughout East Africa for four to six more weeks. Floods frequently hit these areas, but scientists say it's worse due to the conditions in the Indian Ocean that haven't been seen in years. Two people are dead after powerful floods caused widespread damage in southern France and parts of northern Italy. Rivers leading from the Alps to the French Riviera broke their banks, inundating the region. And on the coast, and sirens rang out in the resort towns as waves crashed into boardwalks, washing boats up on shore. France's National Weather Service said the area absorbed the equivalent of two months of average rainfall in just 24 hours. Malaysia's last known Sumatran rhinoceros has died, meaning the species is now considered to be extinct in that country. The 25-year-old female named Iman had cancer. She died yesterday on the island of Borneo. There are now fewer than 100 Sumatran rhinos left on the planet. The majority of children across the globe don't get enough exercise. That's according to a new report from the World Health Organization. Researchers looked at 1.6 million children aged 11 to 17 in 146 countries, including Canada. They found 78% of boys and 85% of girls do not get at least one hour of daily physical activity, which is the Canadian government's minimum recommendation. Physical activity helps young people avoid obesity, heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. It can also help with cognitive development as well as social and motor skills. Well, that new e-Harley in a moment, but first we want to have take a look at this. This is crazy. A Minnesota pilot escapes injury despite flying his plane into power lines. Holy smoke. As you can see, the single-engine plane ended up upside down. The 65-year-old pilot was rescued after crews de-energized those power lines. Safe to say, the accident could have been a lot worse.
Zero to 60 in three seconds? Hard to believe. The E-Harley has arrived in Vancouver. What these bikes can and cannot do. And we will have that right after Yvonne's forecast. Yvonne, um, it's kind of looking like it might be bike weather soon. Yes, but it'll be chilly, so I don't know. That's the one thing, right? Bundle Very up. chilly. Yeah, bundle up for sure. And I'll show you why, especially in the long-range forecast. Early this morning, what a difference a day makes. It was very wet and windy last night. It eased off, especially by this morning. And a beautiful shot that was captured in White Rock. So thank you so much, Phyllis, for this great shot. And earlier this morning as well for a few spots that were in Olympic Village. Upstairs in the control room, wondering if you can just advance my graphic for me. We're just having a few gremlins in the system. Let's see where we won't be able to advance it. Let's just try one more time. No. Um, Andrew, if you can press the space key. Let's see if that'll work. They may or may not get it. Let's see. Okay. We're going to come back, Holly. Yeah. We've got lots. We'll figure it out, and then we'll come back, and you can tell us what the weather is going to be like. Okay. Uh, some keen motorcyclists are getting their first chance to try out Harley-Davidson's brand-new electronic bike. Have a look. It's going to be amazing. I'm so used to feeling it idle. It's on right now. It's ready to go, but there's nothing. It's quiet. It's still. It's just super smooth. Cool. The live wire is making its debut at the Trev dealership in Vancouver today. Lots of curious folks turning out to take a look. Many test riders impressed with the bike's power and handling, but not sure it's suited for those long road trips. Compared to a gasoline bike, for long haul trips, it won't be quite the same thing because you need to spend a lot of time refilling the, like charging it. it. takes a lot longer than just filling your gas tank. But if you're going around town and commuting or you've got 200 kilometers to go, it would definitely be one of my first choices to ride. Okay, Yvonne, we've worked the kinks out of the technology. <laughs> I'm hoping you're going to work the kinks out of the actual weather forecast yes, as well. Yes, the forecast is so great that we made you wait for it. That's what happened here. <laughs> we just had the suspense killing everyone during the uh, commercial break. All right, we had some nice breaks this morning. This is in White Rock, so thank you so much, Phyllis, for this great shot. And earlier this morning in Olympic Vi Village, uh, Jason managed to capture this as well. So it was fantastic. A nice dry start out there. Had a bit of instability. I've put the radar back a couple of hours to early this afternoon. We had a lightning right pop up in the Fraser Valley eastern areas and I saw a few reports in Abbotsford getting a bit of hail so it was very isolated a few showers just along the North Shore Mountains and then now it is going to start to ease off especially looking ahead towards the beginning of the work week it's dark out there we've got temperatures sitting at six the winds are very calm out of the airport and temperatures today it was on the mild side double digits with the high of 11 degrees and above the average for this time of the year that sits closer to eight here's a glance at our current satellite over the last two hours so we are still seeing a few isolated showers zooming on out there there is some instability especially for the morning hours in the interior there'll still be some cloud cover and then it does start to ease off and a few isolated flurries inland for just the early morning hours for the northern and central half of the province most part though for tomorrow morning it'll be dry very chilly with the clear skies you'll need to bundle up for the morning hours by the afternoon there is a bit more cloud cover and it'll be a similar approaching our tuesday for the piece Partly, uh, partly cloudy, minus two. Flurries popping up on Tuesday, rebounding Wednesday, windy, and a partly cloudy sky. Most areas near Whitehorse, the wind chill for the morning hours will be at minus 13. It'll bump up to minus six by the afternoon. And there's a chance of snow rolling in. It'll be just for tomorrow evening and a slight chance for your Tuesday morning. 
Northern half of the province still remaining unsettled. A chance of showers, a clearing on the way for Tuesday, and then plenty of sunshine on Wednesday. Caribou and central interior early morning. Wind chill sitting at minus 5. A few flurries in the mix, and then it should be much drier come the afternoon. And then windy for both Tuesday and Wednesday. Most areas across the province will start to see the temperatures dropping off Tuesday Wednesday. Tomorrow for the Columbian Kootenai, still climbing up to 2. The tops in Okanagan will be sitting at 5. The wind chill for the morning hours will be at minus 4. Very windy into Tuesday Wednesday. Whistler, wind chill, bundle up at minus 4 for your Monday morning. A clearing in the cloud cover by the afternoon with highs closer to 2. And across the island, getting into the double digits for the southern and eastern half, Victoria up to 10 degrees. Tuesday, there is a bit of a blip in the forecast along the island. We could see a few showers. And for Metro Vancouver, there will be more cloud cover. Now, your school day forecast, tomorrow morning, chilly, 3. And then by the lunch hour, sitting at 6, there's a bit more cloud cover rolling in for the afternoon. Should remain dry. It's eastern areas and stretching into the Fraser Valley. Cloud cover, showers for the day. Tuesday, cloud cover. And then Wednesday onwards, the plan so far looking very nice. Sunshine. It'll be the overnight lows, though chilly into Friday morning. We could dip down to minus 6. Guys, Colleen. Whoa, that's cold. I know. Oh, thank you. Um, Barry, I was just thinking about this. The nice thing about what you and I do for a living uh, is that we don't have to explain to people why we can't attend their Grey Cup parties. Because <laughs> they know we're going to be here. They know we're working. But yeah. Speaking of weather, it's actually a pretty nice day in Calgary. Really? Above zero. And the fans love that because when it's too cold, like their lips stick to the beer <laughs> when they drink them. So this is every, everyone's winning because of the warm weather. It's been a good game so far, especially if you uh, like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The uh, 107th Grey Cup in Calgary featured the two teams with the current longest Grey Cup droughts in the CFL. The Blue Bombers haven't won since 1990. The Cats not since 1999. But one of those streaks will end today. Andrew Harris and the Bombers. A lot like the uh, global sports department on Monday morning. We just get her going. Uh, Andrew Harris and the Bombers pumped up. Their defense also jacked up. Willie Jefferson, Defensive Player of the Year with the strip of the Ticat quarterback, Dane Evans. Bombers recover at the Hamilton 15. Very next play, the former Lion, Andrew Harris, who gave the uh, pregame speech, bursts up the middle, takes it in for the touchdown. 7-0, Bombers jump out front. More from the Winnipeg defense. They stuffed the Thai Cats on third and short. That was the third turnover of the first quarter. They had a pick, a fumble, and one on downs. Second quarter, Zach Kalaros to the end zone, and it's Andrew Harris again with a great catch in double coverage. Winnipeg up 21-6 at the half. And, of course, big star, country music star Keith Urban providing the halftime entertainment. That country music, a big hit. In Calgary, third quarter, Ticats need to get going. This helps. Little fake kick, and it's a quick pitch to Luke Tasker for the first town. Ticats uh, in business. Jeff Reinbold, the former Lions special teams coach, doing it now in Hamilton, likes that, and it will lead to Hamilton's first touchdown. Dane Evans to Braylon Addison made it 24-12, but Andrew Harris refuses to lose. Second and 17 on the draw play. What a run. It was a 28-yard run. He's got 127 right now. 33-12 Bombers very late in the fourth. Looks like they're going to break that drought. NFL today. Seahawks and Eagles from Philadelphia. Seahawks well-rested coming off their bye week. First quarter, 
Down 3 nothing. some razzle-dazzle. The flea flicker, Russell Wilson, perfect throw to Malik Turner. That is a tough catch right over top of the, the helmet, really. Hauls it in. Great play. 7-3 Seahawks lead. Second quarter, Seahawks defense making plays. Carson Wentz with the pass picked off by Bradley McDougal. What a grab that is. That Seahawk defense played without Jadavian Clowney today due to injury, but they were still dominant. 10-3 Seattle at the half. Fourth quarter, Hawks add to the lead. Rashad Penny, who is usually the second or third option at running back, had his best day of the year, burst through with a 58-yard touchdown. He had 129 of the Hawks' 174 rush yards on the day, 17-3. The defense did the rest. Three forced fumbles, and this interception by Trey Flowers. Six Philadelphia turnovers. Seahawks win 17-9, but it really wasn't that close. Seattle a perfect 6-0 on the road. They improved to 9-2 on the season, and they host the Vikings next Monday night. Meanwhile, the NFC West 49ers hosting the Packers. San Fran 9-1. Green Bay 8-2. Packers pinned deep. Aaron Rodgers sacked. Fumbles. Niners recover. Led to a short touchdown run by Tevin Coleman. And right now it's 13-0 San Francisco late first half. Canada's historic tennis week came to an end today in Madrid with a runner-up finish at the Davis Cup. There is no shame losing to the host Spaniards, who are once again led by Rafa Nadal. But Canada showed the world they are indeed a new tennis power and showed they not only have the talent but incredible determination, none more so than Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil, who once again saved his best tennis while representing his country. Team Canada and Pospisil entering the arena, but Vashik would not play the first singles match. 19-year-old Felix Ojealiasim getting his first shot. Vashik just fatigued after a long week. Felix, ranked 21st, took on Roberto Bautista Agu, ninth in the world, a great player who actually left the Spanish team earlier this week after the passing of his father. Won the first set 7-6. Felix hung in there, but uh, Bautista Agu is a good player. Felix hasn't played in over a month due to the ankle injury. Put up a good fight, but fell 7-6, 6-3. So Spain goes up 1-0. Aliasim's loss meant Denis Shapovalov needed to come up with the biggest win of his life. Shapovalov taking on world number one and Spanish sporting hero Rafael Nadal. Nadal a perfect 7-0 this week in Davis Cup play and after an early break cruise to the opening set 6-3. This is set point. Dennis's return is long. Go to the second set and Shapovalov fighting hard. Just winning a point against Nadal takes execution and hard work and Dennis will rip the one-handed Backhand winner coming up here, so they stay on serve in the second. Oh, what a series of shots. Went to a tie break where Nadal actually had a match point, but Shapovalov shows that fighting spirit. He has really raised his game the past couple of months or so. This is uh, one of the best shots of the Davis Cup here. Look at that running forehand pass. Dennis liked that. Keeps himself alive in the match, but... Uh, with Nadal, you always got to get ready for the next point. On the third match point, Shapovalov serving. Nadal with the return, and Shapovalov nets the forehand, and that is it. Spain wins its sixth Davis Cup, but what a run by Canada. Best finish ever at a Davis Cup. They've already qualified for this tournament next year, and those young stallions will just keep getting better. So exciting times ahead for Canadian tennis. Welcome back. Well, it's no secret the Oilers count heavily on their dynamic duo of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. They've combined for 93 points in the Oilers' first 25 games, and accordingly, 
Edmonton's off to a great start, tied for first in the Western Conference with the Stanley Cup champion Blues. Tonight, the Oilers were in Arizona taking on the surprising Coyotes, who are just three points back of Edmonton. Dreisaitl leads the NHL with 47 points, McDavid next at 46, and it took him mm, two minutes to add to those totals. McDavid, Dreisaitl, James Neal for the easy tap-in on the power play. Beautiful and easy. one nothing. Edmonton, but the Coyotes answer on a power play as well. Carl Soderberg fires it past Miko Kostinen. 1-1 after one. Oilers regain the lead early second. Sam Gagne in for the injured Ryan Nugent Hopkins tonight. Gets a couple chances to set up Alex Chase on, but Arizona's added a couple of quickies. 3-2 late second Coyotes. Back to the NFL. Patriots hosting the Dallas Cowboys on a cold, rainy day in Foxborough. First quarter. Tom Brady will find Nikhil Harry for a 10-yard touchdown. 7-0 Patriots in front, but uh, that was it for offense, pretty much for both teams in this one, a defensive battle. The Pats' defense did the rest, held the Cowboys without a touchdown. Dak Prescott picked off here. Patriots grind out the 13-9 win to go to 10-1. Cowboys drop to 6-5. Panthers and Saints from New Orleans. Drew Brees had another big day at the Superdome. 311 yards passing, three touchdowns. This one a perfect strike to Jared Cook. Saints up 24-15 in the third quarter. Later in that quarter, Brees again will sling a three-yard pass to Michael Thomas. 31-18 for the Saints. But rookie Kyle Allen, match breeze. This is Allen's third touchdown pass of the game to DJ Moore. Ties it up at 31. Stayed that way until the final play of the game. Saints lined up for a 33-yard field goal in the win. Will Lutz just sneaks it through. Saints go to 9-2 with the 34-31 win over Carolina. Broncos and Bills. Buffalo at 7-3, currently in a playoff spot. Third quarter, just a 6-0 lead. For the Bills until Josh Allen hits Cole Beasley for the 18-yard touchdown. That made it 13-0. And then they will put it away in the fourth as Allen will go 34 yards to John Brown. And Buffalo goes to 8-3 after beating the Broncos 20-3 today. It looks like the Bills maybe finally get back to those playoffs. LPGA season came to an end today in Florida. Final round of the Tour Championship. Canada's Brooke Henderson tied for fifth. Five back at the start of the day. Had a clean round today, five under 67, including this birdie off the green on 16, but she finished fifth, won 176,000. Another great year for Brooke, who had two wins, the eighth and ninth of her young career, but it was the South Korean Se Young Kim who birdies the 18th in dramatic fashion to get the one-shot win and the record $1.5 million in first-place prize money as she takes the LPGA Tour Championship. Final round of the RSM Classic from Georgia. This went to a playoff. Tyler Duncan and Webb Simpson. Duncan with the birdie putt for the win, and he knocks it down. First PGA Tour victory, just his second full year on tour. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin finished tied for 68. BC High School football AAA semifinals last night from BC Place. Surrey's Lord Tweedsmere against East Van's Notre Dame. Third quarter, Tweedsmere up by a touchdown. Add to the lead, Tramel State Jones running it in. 13-0 for the Panthers, and then Keyshawn Dorsey will keep it here. Gallop in for the touchdown, and Lord Tweedsmere going to the senior championship game for the first time ever. Beat Notre Dame 26-14. They had never made it past the semifinals before. Second semifinal, Burnaby's St. Thomas Moore against Van College. The Irish have been dominant all year and they were true to form last night. 
Deshaun Johnson runs it in untouched for the touchdown. That made it 13-0, and then later in the half, Johnson does it again. Third TD of the game, and the Irish go on to the comfortable 37-8 win over STM. So it'll be Van College and Lord Tweedsmere in the championship game next Saturday at BC Place. And we have a final from Calgary, 33-12 Winnipeg. So the Bombers can celebrate. Wow. And that guy who's been wearing shorts for 30 years can finally wear some pants. Put some sure pants on. Put some pants on. <laughs> time to celebrate. Usually it's the other way around. It's time to celebrate. You take it off. Ah, thanks, Perry. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb opening November 28th. Grouse, Cypress, and Sasquatch to be determined. Revelstoke and Fernie both opening November 30th. Kicking Horse opening December 6th. Big White and Silver Star both opening November 28th. Sun Peaks with a base of 61 and one new centimeter of snow. Apex opening December 7th. Whitewater opening December 6th. Red Mountain December 12th. Powder King, 23 new centimeters of snow and a base of 130. Okay, we were just talking about snow and I, I posted a, a video to my Twitter account and it's a guy who gets out of his car in traffic, goes to the car in front of him and Stop. clears off the snow off no. his back windshield and the, cap him that the caption was Canadian road rage. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Uh, speaking of transit, with the transit strike in its fourth week, a UBC student is using his bright idea to bring attention to the congestion on North America's busiest bus route. As Kristen Robinson reports, the 99B line to and from UBC is now in a for another reason. Along the Broadway corridor, he's hard to miss. The sign on his back, a reality for hundreds of commuters. We have a huge congestion problem here. Third-year UBC business and computer science student Ashkan Partovi cycling in protest. You know, every year more and more people get on the bus and we have nowhere else to go. The 99B line to and from UBC TransLink's highest ridership route, with more than 17.4 million boardings last year. Of its 525 one-way trips each weekday, 28% overcrowded. The B-Line is like the busiest bus in North America, and um, you know it's, it's a shame we've let it get that bad. No longer stuck in the slow lane, Partovi riding ahead with his message. You know, we're only building the SkyTrain halfway to UBC, and really that's not acceptable. The answer, he says, more transit funding. Oh, that's neat. Thank you so much. Although light, Partovi's sign sparking conversation about serious issues, and he hopes it gets the government's attention. We need to act now. Uh, the province has been talking about their transport 2050 plan, but we need a transport today plan. The transit strike not helping, but this bus full rider on board with drivers. Students depend on transit so much. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Good for him. Thanks for watching. <laughs>